welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Liz. And I'm Holly. And this week we have another author interview. We are going to be joined later on by Peter D. Barker, uh, Baker, rather, um, and we'll be speaking about his uh, one of his latest books. So there's lots to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, but before that, let's get straight into the monthly bookish chat. So, Holly, what has been happening in the world of books? Well, I... I don't know. I mean, I've seen it around Instagram, and I know that it's been in the news in certain parts of the country, um, especially in Virginia and the Richmond area. But Richmond area author um, Rachel Beanland, I don't know um, if you've if you've heard of her, if you've read anything. I read her um, Florence Adler Swims Forever that came out mm-hmm. um, uh, two two years ago, maybe three. Uh, no, probably two. I'd have to look up exactly when the release date was. But, um, that was, that was the first book of hers that I've read. Um, and it, and it was really, really good. But she, she's a Jewish author. And the only reason I bring that up is because that kind of impacts the story. Um, but, uh, Rachel has released a new book called The House is on Fire. And it's a historical fiction book that's based on and inspired by the true story of the 1811 Richmond Theater Fire, which was one of the deadliest urban disasters at that time. Um, Because, you know, 1811, they didn't have a lot of the the mass tragedies that we see in our society today. So this was, at at the time, in the early 1800s, the the deadliest kind of event that had happened. And it killed uh, more than 70 people, including the governor of Virginia. So... Um, so it was a big deal. So she wrote a, so she wrote this book, um, and it was released. And she was invited to to go to this um, kind of prestigious um, like luncheon um, in mm-hmm. Palm at, at, in Palm Beach Gardens in Florida. Um, and I guess it was part of uh, the organization of uh, the Mandel JCC, which is the Jewish uh, the Mandel Jewish Community Society. Or, community center so they invited her to come and speak during this luncheon um this luncheon is pretty prestigious it's like a hundred dollars a ticket for people to go to it and she was um you know she she was gonna go um but she received a letter from them uh, from the event coordinator, and this is what it's quoted as saying. It says, I am writing because after much discussion and debate, we have decided that this book is not the right choice for our annual book luncheon on January 11th, which is January 11th, I believe, of 2024, because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. The letter goes on to say, I apologize that it took until now to firm this up, but we needed all of our committee to have time to read the book in its entirety to form their opinions. Uh, and then it's at it, the very, I guess, the, the the last piece of this says, also, our decision is very much affected by the current political climate climate here in Florida. So this is the perfect modern example of censorship. Oh, yeah, 100%. I remember actually seeing this because this happened about a few weeks ago now, mm-hmm. didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing it kind of briefly on, on Instagram and... I mean, in, in previous bannings that we've seen, it's mostly been about kind of either religion or LGBTQ community. community. So to get one like this now, it's just, 
it's bizarre, isn't it? It is. I think it's it's, it's getting. Stu- it is literally. It's gotten so stupid, and it's it is getting extreme. And for for something to also happen now in Florida, which Florida, I think we've we've had a little bit from Florida on censorship, but it's mm-hmm. mostly been Texas. Yeah. So for Florida to come back out again as another kind of state we need to watch, it's just what state is going to be next? <laughs> yeah, and it's just. Um... It's just ridiculous, and it could because it really centers around um, the idea that uh, the fact that it talks about slavery and um, yeah. you know black Americans at that time, and and this is this is the piece that gets me is it happened. There was slavery. There 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 were these things in our history. And we can't pretend it didn't happen. Like, yeah. and whenever we get things like this, that like is, is we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it, but it happened. Like this, this, this was the world. This is, this is how we learn from mistakes of the past because, you know, you always hear that, uh, that, that notion that history repeats itself. Uh, There are parts of history I would prefer not to repeat. (laughs) that that would be nice that would be nice and I mean I mean it's like when people try and ban um authors such as Mark Twain because of the the kind of racist references and because of the the past slavery it's like as you say it's a part of our history if if the younger generation can't learn about the previous history how are they meant to learn from it because they need to understand about what life was like back then they need to understand how far we've come and what has happened since to make sure none of that happens again exactly you know and it's it's just it's just the strangest thing that you know Mm. that this would have even come up because one it's a luncheon where they're going to talk about a book like i don't understand like why i mean i also don't live in florida but um that this would be a you know the the current political climate would um, would be impacted, but the house or the the book itself, itself the house is on fire, follows four characters: um, uh, Sally Henry Campbell, who's the widowed daughter of Patrick Henry, um, a young stagehand, an enslaved teenager. So that's where you get your kind of your slavery because it's an enslaved teenager. Yeah. And then a character named Gilbert Hunt, who was an enslaved blacksmith who um, emerged as the hero of the fire. So you have these these different, you know, characters that are representing yeah. the people of the time and the event. And the thing is, the 1811 theater fire happened as well like we can't go back and be like no no that fire didn't happen it didn't kill the governor of the of of you know the state it it didn't you know (laughs) kill all these innocent people like nope uh but she was the funny thing is and kudos to her because i would have reacted the same way she was invited to a kind of lesser prestigious um event uh, as part of like their their like book fair or whatever and she declined she declined that offer i would decline definitely <laughs> i like, would too yeah if you, if you don't want me at the main event then you can't have me at all yeah this is uh, 
do you think it's because people are so worried about upsetting and kind of getting people to read things uh, that are potentially shocking and potentially are they may think of as racist because of the fact that it is kind of about slaves and and african-americans even though it is a true story and it's a fictional rather than sorry, not fictional factual rather than fictional it's i mean it's definitely uncomfortable topics because i think you know because i think when we look back and we talk about it it's i think they're I don't know. For me, I look at it as how how could we take another human being and and, and like and and treat them that way and enslave them that yeah. way. Um and so I but there's still there's still racism. There's there's still this there these ideals um haven't been completely eradicated from our society yet and you know, it's just I, I don't I don't know. I, I you know, I can't I just have such a hard time figuring out why we would do this that it yeah. no possible solution makes sense to me. And it's just I don't know. I just I'm almost I'm almost speechless over it because I'm just like I just don't understand. And then I think about like other things that have come out like this this book seems like it's not shouldn't be making as a big a big stink like it is but then i remember going and watching a movie several years ago go called um i think it was 12 years of a slave oh, and yeah. that movie oh my oh like that was like i cried through that like entire movie and i walked mm-hmm. out going you know, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I hated that movie so much, but it wasn't because like I hated it. It's because I hated of like of how it made me feel. Of what happened? Yeah. What happened? And it's just like it just. But at the same time, they released that movie, and I mean, yeah, there yeah. was you know, there's always pushback and, and kickback, but I don't know. It just this just seems I don't weird. Yeah, I mean, I don't think these conversations should be awkward because at the end of the day, this is history. This is the past. We don't slave, enslave people anymore. I mean, we do have the occasional kind of um, case where people have been enslaved, but that's like all over the world. That's not just African-Americans. That's white, everything, everyone. Um, but in general, slavery was banned a long time ago and we have learned our lessons and I think it should just be something that's talked about as this is a part of the history rather than, oh, well, we're kind of embarrassed about this, so we're just going to tiptoe around it because, as you say, if you don't know about it, how can you learn from it? Yeah, and I like, so the publishing company is Simon & Schuster. They're the ones who published this um, or mm-hmm. published her book, and they they had a statement, and um, I kind of, I really like what they said it said we are greatly disappointed to learn that our author Rachel Beanland has been disinvited from discussing her book The House is on Fire at a book and author event in Florida this is this is the best subject here or best line it says <laughs> difficult subjects will not go away by pretend by be pretending the books that address them don't exist exactly yeah perfect it is a difficult subject, but it's. It, yeah. the, but again, we can't pretend it never happened. Just like history shouldn't no. be complicated. History is history. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, 
you know you still know about history just don't repeat it (laughs) (laughs) exactly and if we pretend it never happened how are we going to be able to to prevent it from happening now exactly um, and also it's the worst thing is is that in that letter that they the kind of committee for that event sent her they didn't properly justify they didn't give her a good reason as to why she was being disinvited and i think if you're going to do that for some for such a prestigious event the least you could do is give them a decent reason like be honest yeah. Just be completely upfront, and they couldn't even do that, which just is cowardice at the it end is. of the day. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm reading, like, and I'm getting, like, I read like stuff that Rachel has posted about this topic on her mm. own Instagram that she that she herself has posted, um, and then um, I've also done a little bit of research, and so, um, the the Richmond Times Dispatch is the main newspaper out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, and what's, what's cool is I, I grew up for the most part in a small town, 20 minutes away from Richmond. So, um, and Richmond, you know, it like during the civil war, during the height of all this stuff, Richmond was the capital of the Confederacy, like of the South where, um, and so I know, and it's funny because I think about how strong Richmond's history is with, um, slavery and and civil rights and the civil war and all that stuff and um and just to think that i don't know again i just my brain just goes a mile a minute when i think about why and the impact of this um but here but this richmond times dispatch article that i'm kind of looking at um uh there's a paragraph in there where it states that um there are two specific and, and this is, it says, Rachel, or she acknowledges that the house on fire has two specific troubling truths that might, I like this, the wording, that might have caused heartburn in our political environment. So she acknowledges that it's, you know, that there are a couple of things in there that might make people uncomfortable, but that's history. Yeah. History makes people uncomfortable, but it still is what it is. Yeah. But I guess the one is that the theater fire, um, was falsely blamed on enslaved people. So, oh, I, wow. yeah, so pulling out the truth of what actually happened and talking about that um, is probably going to ruffle some feathers in that political yeah. environment. And the other piece is that women represented a, a disproportionate number of the fire's victims. So there were 72 people who died. 54 of them were women. Wow. Um, well, that's so. just because women like theater more than men. <laughs> <laughs> Women are more are more um, theatrically kind of interested. Exactly. <laughs> the faster, <it>, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but so you know, I don't know. You know, censorship is still alive and well. Um, it is, and of course we know that because of the ongoing trial, uh, which I believe that you have an update for us on. Yeah, so we talked last time about Texas House Bill 900, where this was the bill that all books and like schools and 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 libraries were going to have to have like a like a, a rating, like a sexual content rating. Yeah. Um, and the bunch of organizations and publishers got together and they filed an appeal. Um, with the courts to kind of put an injun- injunction on it so that it wouldn't 
take place. And um, and surprisingly, for 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 once, the judge accepted it and did indeed implement a preliminary injunction stopping it. That's so good. yeah, so it was supposed to go. How long does that last for? Um, I I I don't remember because they're still. It's like still an active court case, so it's okay. probably going to last through when they can go through um and actually through do the case, yeah. yeah the legal aspects of it. But it was supposed to go into effect on September 1st, um, and it did not because of the injunction. So oh, that's really good news. Yeah, so there's some positive news there. So we're in a holding pattern with that one. Um, but yeah, so other than that, um, there really wasn't too much else. Anything else that you think is going on or coming up? Ah, the only other thing is that we have um... – Obviously, one of the TV adaptations we've been looking forward to, Lessons in Chemistry, is coming to Apple TV Plus on October 13th. I think that might be for the UK as well. I haven't checked that. <laughs> um, but I'm sure it was somewhere around that time. Um, so this is the first of, of quite a few that we're looking forward to. Um, obviously, in November, we also have the Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. Oh, I can't I'm wait for that Very one. excited for. Very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, Lessons in Chemistry has uh, Brie Larson. It, if yep. I remember rightly. Yeah, she's the main, main character. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I need to I need to source a, a free trial code. Uh, me <laughs> too. So if anybody knows a free trial code for Apple TV, please send it our way um, so, so we can watch it. Otherwise, I'm going to have to convince my husband to get us a, a, like a short-term subscription it's to it. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's only, I think who is about six pounds. It's probably going to be about six, seven dollars for a month over there. Yeah, so. so. I know, but he'll be like, last thing we need is another streaming service. <laughs> you can just be like, it's for a month. I know. And I'm sure if, if there's like, there's loads of stuff on Apple TV. If he's, is he a Stephen King fan? No. No, but he uh, would like he... Ted Lasso because he's a sports fan. And okay. I'm sure is he's he a, heard. Is he a yeah. Tom Hanks fan? Probably. There's a Tom Hanks thing on there, um, which looks really good. But yeah, loads of things on there that you'll find something that he likes on it. Oh, so just we'll, we'll like. Have to. Do some research ahead of time. <laughs> Be like, this is why we need to get it because you're like this. That's right, exactly. Uh, and then, and then my son will be. But we were supposed to get HBO Max first. He's been begging for HBO Max for like a year, and we just keep. Oh, okay, we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll. Get it. <laughs> I wish we could get HBO Max in this country. Although, um, also, I read um, a few days ago another bookish kind of bookish news is that um, for us UK listeners, uh, the Interview with the Vampire TV series, which was previously only US because it was, I think it was HBO Max, mm. it has been bought by the BBC. So it means that it will be coming to the UK um, sometime in the near future. Well, that's so exciting. I've been trying desperately to watch that and I can't <laughs> find it anywhere at all on the UK. Um, so, yeah, no, that's really good news. That came out like literally a few days ago. So... And, um, of course, one last thing is that if you are listening to this on Monday, obviously when we drop, uh, check out Lee Bardugo's posts on Instagram mm. because there is a big reveal happening of her new book. Uh, so far, we know it's going to be an adult fiction. Uh, it's going to be a historical fantasy. So, yeah, watch her posts for, for more news. And I remember because uh, you mentioned this before we started recording and last uh, – in like in January, I think, is when I went to her – uh, book event um, yeah and one of the things she talked about because one of the questions was is she going to write more books based in, in the Greece, 
Grishaverse. And she said that she was taking a break from them because she didn't want to write. Like, she didn't want to be forced to write something if the story wasn't yeah. there. Like, um, But then she talked about this historical fiction book. And I want to say that it's, like, um, more of, like, a Spanish-type cultural um, setting. So, um, which is super, super cool. Like, I, oh, that makes me so excited. So, I cannot wait to see <laughs> Um, definitely looking forward to that what this looks like so all right well we're gonna take a quick break and then when we come back we're gonna talk about a couple um books that we've been enjoying recently and then still to come um peter d baker will be joining us to talk about his book um rain city gothic so we will be right back one and welcome back all right so we um well liz you've been a little sick lately so you uh, haven't had a ton of time to read but um what have you what have you been reading and up to yeah luckily i had some time off my birthday um which by the way i got loads of books it was great <laughs> uh, holly also bought me the new Hawthorne brothers which was really good and um, we've been reading that mm-hmm. um but i did manage to read a few books at the beginning of the month before i, I kind of came down ill um one of them because i'm kind of trying for a, thr- a thriller theme for most of september um or i was and i read the sanatorium which is by um an author called sarah pierce now, this actually came out a few years ago, and it's one that has been on my list for a while. Um, it's basically, it's, an, uh, it's a hotel which is set in the middle of nowhere, and I believe it's uh, in Sweden or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, originally, it was a it was a sanatorium. So it was a, a mental hospital, which um, also helped people get over tuberculosis. So it's quite an old building. Um, and it had been converted into a hotel by these people. And it's all about kind of this, this group go to stay there because they're celebrating um, an engagement an engagement party of um, the main character's brother. And then people kind of start going missing. And it, like they're in the middle of a snowstorm, so they can't go anywhere. So it's, it's really interesting. It was, it was really good at kind of building tension. And because I love kind of, thrillers that are set in the middle of nowhere it just there's something so much more interesting about I like, like the whole cabin in the woods kind of setting mm-hmm. um there's just something really spooky about being in the middle of nowhere not being able to get, get anywhere or escape um so this was really it's really good I read it in literally about two days um and it was just very good character building um great setting we got to kind of hear about a bit of the history of of the sanatorium and how it wasn't quite everything that it originally was meant to be and that the doctors were kind of were actually not that good of other good um people was it creepy was it like a creep was it just like a thriller or was it like was there like a, a creepy horror aspect to it i say there's a creep there's a creepy aspect to it i say it's more of a like a psychological thriller mm. so because it, it wasn't like it was it wasn't like a creature kind of thing it was it was very much the people um so yeah and i said very much kind of psychological psychological horror um horror thriller so it was very it was really good it was pretty creepy um but especially with the the tension building it was very well done Hmm. so that yeah that was my that was actually my last book i finished reading (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, and I remember when you were reading it, and you were talking about how much you, you know, you were liking it. And I'm, I'm always looking for books that will creep me out and scare me. Yeah. So. It had very uh, Shining vibes. Because obviously with The Shining, you, you're mm. um, stuck in the hotel in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. And you have like the snowstorm. So it's very similar kind of vibes. Um, but there's obviously quite a few more people in the hotel compared to um, to In The Shining in the yeah. hotel there. So yeah no definitely i would yeah i definitely um recommend it because also they she brought out a book called the retreat which i haven't read yet but that one mm. i definitely want to want to check out interesting but yeah of course i also finally um read the guest list as well oh after all I these like many years of, of um of Polly recommending it to mm-hmm. me <laughs> it's been on my book list bookshelf for a long time so finally that's the first book of the month and that yeah really really good i really like that one too um and her uh uh, the apart the Paris apartment um, was the book that came oh, out after that one. I know that's been on my list since it came out. And I, haven't I think I've got around. the Kindle, but the ebook of that. Oh, ninety nine p one day. Um, mm. There's also the Hunting Party, which I want to read. By oh her. yeah, that came out before. Yeah, I want to read that one too. Yeah. Um, there's just so many books I want to read, and there's just not enough time. <laughs> so story of our life. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll die with this massive TBR list, and we'll be like, oh. Um, well, I just, like you mentioned, the, the um, Brothers Hawthorne book, um, I just finished that yesterday, um, so you need to get through that one so we can talk about it, um, but but I, I did, I thoroughly enjoyed it, it is definitely, you know, we know that there's going to be more that come from this, this, this family, this world, um, you know, if you didn't know that beforehand, you'll know by the time you, you read it because it, it's, it's, I'm just excited that there'll be more to come. But I won't say anything else. I'm not going to spoil any of it for you. Well, we've got more of the Hawthorne brothers. Yeah, she actually, um, <gasps> she, no. she posted something. Jennifer Lynn Barnes posted something, um, I want to say on her Instagram where she kind of hinted at, um, Hang on, I want to see if I can I can find it real quick. But she posted a comment or a post that has like the name of um, of a new book, or it was like um, maybe something along the lines of cover reveal coming soon. And let's see, she has. Um, Maybe it was a story. I don't know. There was something there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've just found it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a new new one coming out in July next year called The Grandest Game. Yes, and that Ooh. will make sense. If you read The Brothers Hawthorne, you <laughs> okay. will understand the title of that book. That's really exciting. Yeah, so yeah, July 2024, The Grandest Game comes out, um, which... Yeah, and it's funny because on so she posted that on her Instagram page on September seventh, with the comment, "If you know, you know." <laughs> and oh my god, that's exciting! I finished the book, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> also, one thing that I'm majorly jealous about is that Barnes and Noble, I think it was, had a special edition of um, the Brothers Hawthorne, and it was a purple cover, purple, and it was so pretty. It's exactly the same as, as my one, but just purple instead of black. And you didn't get the purple one, did you? Oh, no, I did so the funny. audio. I did um, 
Yeah. Ah. So I don't, I don't yeah, have no, like the purple the... one's just gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know, I love my my purple books. No, me too. <laughs> me too. Um. So, so I just finished that one. So what I and then I recently, you know, and I also earlier this week finished um Peter Baker's book, uh, Rain City Gothic, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, and then I am starting a book called um, The 57 Bus. And the one thing I don't like, look at how many stickers are on the cover of my book. Oh, are they yeah. fake stickers? That's, no. They're, they're, oh. they're cover. Yeah. And they're like literally in the middle of my cover. Why of, would you do that? Why know. would they do that? Why do they have to put stickers on the covers of books? I've not heard of that. Who, who's it by? It is by Dashka Slater. Um, actually, it was it was um, our our good friend um, Stephanie um, from our book club uh, told me about this book. It's a true story um, of two teenagers in Oakland, California, in 2023, where mm-hmm. um, so you, it's it's Sasha and Richard, and so they have to take the 57 bus. Um, it's like pa- okay. public transportation. This is how they get to school every day. They're in high school. And so in order to get to school, they take this this public transportation bus back and forth, which isn't unheard of in, you know, bigger cities like this. Um, and so what ends up happening, and it's a true story, so I'm not going to like, it's not like a spoiler or anything. Yeah. But basically one day on the ride home from school, um, Richard makes a very, very poor choice. And as Sasha is kind of dozing, he takes a lighter and sets her skirt on fire. (gasps) And she ends up suffering multiple third degree burns, has to have multiple surgeries. He's arrested and it changed. They're, they're like 17 year old kids. Um, and it changes, it completely changes the course of their life. Um, so yeah, it was from, it's two, it's from the the incident happened in 2013. So it's been 10 years since it happened. So they're now like in their late twenties. Um, and so it kind of talks about, um, like it it goes, it alternates between their, their point, like their storylines because after like they, they don't even really know each other except the fact that they're on this bus together. And so it really shows her life. Um. Well, um, and she's she's not non-binary, so so their life versus Richard's life, um, and it shows how um, Richard copes with the fallout and aftermath and consequences of his choice, and how Sasha yeah. has to cope with the fallout um, and healing and consequences that they suffer based on um, what Richard did and how you know, Sasha's life changed forever, um, as a 17 year old who was just innocently sitting there and, um, you know, so. Wow. That sounds, that sounds intense. Sounds yeah. pretty, pretty interesting, though. Yeah. So, uh, and, and, and it's very short chapters. Like I'm not very far into it, but the chapters I are like really this. short. <laughs> I know. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going a little quicker. Um, yeah. and so, and, and I, I kind of like to see, you know, from Sasha's nice. point of view versus Richard's point of view, um, so that's that's what yeah, I that just sounds started. really interesting. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. So that's what I'm reading. Um, okay. So New York Times bestseller list for this week. I didn't. We have like a Google Doc where we write all of our show notes so we can see. 
I did not put them on there. One, because I didn't look it up until this morning and didn't have time to put it on there. I will be completely truthful and transparent. Uh, but two, I'm kind of glad I didn't because this will be a surprise to Liz, so she won't know what's on the list. Um, but I will say that we have had a couple weeks in a row now where um, Coho hasn't been in the top five. And I know. And this week, yeah, we only have one returning book from the top five. Do you have any guess? That's going to be fourth wing, isn't it? It is fourth wing. Yep. So fourth wing (laughs) remains on the, in the top five. It has dropped. It has been for most of the time that it's been on the list. These last 19 weeks, it's been one or two. Um, Holly's got to be on there. Holly's got to be on there. Yep. Yep. So Holly by Stephen King is actually the number one book right now. Nice. Yep. Fourth Wing came in at number four. Uh, so Ooh. it dropped a little bit. And then the um, number two is Lucy Scores, Things We Left Behind. It's that it's her third oh, yeah. her third book in that series. So um, I, you know, I see that series all the time and I haven't read it. Yeah. So um, everyone seems to really like it, though. But that came in at number well, yeah. two. Yeah, I was gonna say because uh, Lisa Scores one of uh, one of our book club members' favorite authors. Yeah, yeah. The number three is Payback and Death by J.D. Robb. This is his. This is his. Oh, 50, yeah. His fifty seventh book in the series. Yeah, it's a good series though. I have I've only read about seven of them, but it's it is a pretty good series. But oh my, he's written fifty seven <laughs> books in the series. <laughs> Yeah, it's oh been my. going for quite some time. Uh, and yes. also, it's, uh, also, J.D. Robb is actually Nora, Nora Roberts. Oh, is it really? Look at yeah, that. See, I have J.D. Robb's a pun name. Oh, interesting. Yeah. See, I love she's done. She's done some, yeah, she's done some books under her own name, Nora, Nora Roberts. I can't, why can't I say that? Nora <laughs> Roberts. Um, and then she's done, yeah, all of these under J.D. Roberts. I knew. I mean, I've heard of both the names. I just didn't put them together as being <laughs> the same person. I mean, I haven't read any of these books, so that's probably part of why I had no idea. Um, yeah, JD JD Robb's um, in Death series is kind of like a futuristic um, crime thriller series. It's pretty yeah, good. yeah, because yeah, because it looks like that, like, po- like almost like a police kind of thing. Because this little description yeah. just says, "Eve Dallas looks into the death of an internal affairs captain." Yeah. So, okay. Um, well, so we've got a nice collection then. We've got like romance, we've got crime, we've got horror, mm-hmm. we've got fantasy. And then the last one that comes in at number five is The River We, the River we Remember by William Kent Kruger. And I, this. I've heard about that. Yeah, this looks, um, it looks like, again, like a. Set in 1958, says suspicions and accusations complicate a sheriff's investigation of a wealthy landowner's murder in a small mm-hmm. Minnesota town in 1958. So, like a little historical fiction crime kind of book. So, literally every single book is a different genre this month. This month, yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love it. I love the the, the change and like the whole mixture of everything. Um, mm-hmm. How about the young adult? What is number one? Number one in Our young, usual young adult list. Yep. Is This Winter by Alice Oseman, um, who writes, doesn't she no, write Alice Heartstopper? Yeah. Yep. It's a siblings oh, Do you know what? Tour. Nice. Okay. 
Oh, it just says, siblings Tori, Charlie, and Oliver deal with life changes over the holiday season. Ooh, yeah, and I, I, I actually watched... Oh, uh, it is, it's actually a, it's a Heartstopper novella. Oh, that's why it's number one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, interesting little bit of, uh, of trivia. So, Heartstopper season two has got a an art college in that, and it's going to be featured more in season three. And that was my old university. How cool so, is that? Yeah. So we actually saw a few shots of it in season two, and I was like, oh, my God, like, blast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really cool. So, yeah, that's, once again, uh, New York Times is a, a nice little mixed bag, which is, is always a nice change. So last but not least, before our break, uh, let's go on to the new and upcoming releases. So we've got The Scarlet Veil uh, by Shelby Mahirim, which is the next in the Serpent and Dove series, um, I believe. And that's coming out on the 28th of September for the UK and the 26th of September in the US. Uh, and then we've got The Throne of the Fallen by Kerry Maniscalco, which comes out both in the UK and the US on the 3rd of October. And then finally, we've got Hemlock Island by Kelly Armstrong. Um, in the US, it's already out. They came out on the 12th of September. And the UK have got to wait a little bit longer. Um, it comes out on the 24th of October. So there you have it. Holly, I can't hear you. Think you might have muted yourself. I muted myself. <laughs> what is one of our shows without me doing something stupid with technology? When we went to break, our first break, I accidentally logged out of our Skype meeting. Um, so it's just I I will some point in the next, you know, 30 years get my get my technology life together. Um, but what I was gonna say was it's really unusual that we have such a huge discrepancy in time um with the, with a book like that. Like it's over oh, yeah. a month. We will have had it out. Like I could read it. Oh, okay. I'm not a quick reader. So I was gonna say I could read it like five Once times before Liz reads it. <laughs> Let's no. <laughs> who are we joking? <laughs> like, who are we kidding? It's there? usually like a, maybe a few weeks, but yeah. A yeah. Month, or maybe like crazy. a week or something like, yeah. but that, that's a pretty hefty time difference. So pretty crazy. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's what's going on with what we're reading and what's coming up. We're going to take um, our last break. And when we come back, we are going to be joined by author Peter D. Baker. And we're going to have a um, conversation. We're going to talk about his book, Rain City Gothic, uh, and all of his 15 years worth of writing experience and just him as a person and, as, and an author. So um, we will be right back and we will be joined by Peter D. Baker. And welcome back. We are so excited to be joined by Peter, Peter D. Baker today. Um, so I'm going to just kind of go through a quick bio, um, Peter, and then we'll kind of jump right into it. So Peter D. Baker is a Seattle-based author of the new novel Rain City Gothic. Uh, after 15 years of writing nonfiction and ghostwriting in newspapers and publications in the fitness industry, Peter decided he had other stories to tell, with Rain City Gothic be being the first of many. When he's not writing, you can find him living an autistically routined life that includes watching the same movies on repeat, eating rice, lifting weights, and spending time with his partner and dog. Okay, before we get started, I have a couple questions about your bio. Sure. 
Okay. Well, first of all, welcome, Peter. We're super excited to have you here. <laughs> oh, I am very excited to be here. Okay. So my first question is, what are your favorite movies to watch on repeat? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Uh, at the time of writing that, I was watching the Logan with Hugh Jackman uh, and yes. Patrick Stewart uh, mm-hmm. pretty often. Uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I mean, just genre aside, it's just a really fantastic movie. Uh, yeah. I will often go to sleep to a lot of those uh, 1980s slasher movies, uh, anything from Elm Street to Friday the 13th. Uh, or lately, 1986's The Stepfather, which was remade in 2009, but uh, the remake was not very good, despite Penn Badgley being in it. I uh, know a lot of people like Penn. Uh, not only for his boyish good looks, but uh, his role as Joe on You. Uh, well, in the, the Stepfather remake, he is not a serial killer, thankfully. Um, <laughs> And uh, lately, I've been watching uh, over and over again the entirety of season one of True Detective on HBO with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. Wow. Awesome. Okay. Um, I like like your eclectic um, viewing choices. Um, Okay. And then my second question is, I believe um, that I saw this on Instagram. Did you recently get married? Uh, yeah, on August 31st. Well, congratulations. Wow, I thought that I saw that. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, let's just, we'll just kind of dive right into it. So, um, Rain City Gothic is, um, I believe kind of like your first, um, you know, dive into the, the published novel kind of, um, world. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, kind of like your journey to get the, we'll, we'll talk about the actual book, um, in a little bit, but can you tell us a little bit about how you just got into that, made that decision to make that leap from like newspapers and publications into the novel world? Uh, well, you know, I always wanted to write some sort of stuff since I was, uh, like a late teenager, maybe when I was 17 and, uh, I was a junior in high school and, uh, the woman to whom I dedicated the book, Leslie Rice, was my English teacher at the time, and uh, she really fostered that. She was a great teacher um, and uh, you know, one of the best I've ever had. And despite going through the Florida school systems, I managed to have a lot of good teachers, and, and she was uh, high among them. And uh, yeah, you know, so she encouraged me to do pretty much whatever I felt like uh, and to not uh get bogged down with social norms and rules mm-hmm. uh and i always appreciated that and so i thought that was cool then i got into college i started writing for the school newspaper called the usf oracle i think i was doing i think i was doing music reviews for death metal bands that uh would put out stuff because i was also co-hosting a radio show at the time from 1 to 4 a.m every monday morning um on community radio uh and it was a it was a heavy metal show and i was also in a death metal band at the time and so yeah i was like yeah you know let me see if i could write and and do that and so i did and then there were some very small local publications that didn't really last long that i did stuff for 
Uh, then eventually I started blogging, I think a couple years later, so around 2009 or 10. Uh, and I kept going and I eventually I knew I wanted to work in the fitness industry. So I did after I got fired from a real job in 2013. I was like, you know, well, might as well start on that job. And to get street cred and extra money, I would uh, write stuff. And I just kept going and I knew that I would want to do other things beyond that at some point. And then it just got to a point where I was tired of working in that industry. So I started writing Rain City Gothic. And that was based on some role-playing games I played back in 2006. So I had the characters. Uh, Bethany being a character that nothing really came over because I was playing as Daniel during the game. And I said, you know, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should write her story. I think that would be fun. So I did. Okay. Liz, I'm sure you have a bunch of questions from that, <laughs> as I do. So you, you start with your questions first. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Because, I mean, um, role-playing games are something that, obviously, that I've I've been quite interested in in the past. I've kind of dabbled a bit in the whole typical kind of D&D um, and things like that. So kind of whilst you were writing, uh, were there any particular kind of writers or books that inspired you was writing uh, writing your first fiction novel uh probably the movie logan actually i think that influence shows up in there with the whole father daughter thing that's happening um and uh at the time i think i was coming out of a reading slump mm -hmm. uh and the first book that got me out of that was an autobiography of a professional wrestler named Mick Foley. Uh, and it was actually really good. He did not like his ghost writer and he fired him and hand wrote the entire book on his own. And that also led to my first trip out of the country, uh, which was to Canada to go watch him speak about one of his more renowned wrestling matches. So I think I got out of the slump and read that. And um, I don't remember what I was really reading at the time, but since then I've just been uh, actually reading just a lot of stuff and it's been good i've read the entire dresden file series uh i i enjoyed those and um you know the other uh indie authors that i follow on instagram i try to read their stuff whenever i can uh particularly uh a lady named jillian dowell who writes wonderful things uh and you should probably get her on the podcast too i think she would enjoy that okay i just wrote her name down and that's uh <laughs> And that's Jillian with a G, as in like like Jillian Anderson, mm. not with a J. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Um, so funny that you bring up um, Mick Foley, uh, <laughs> because my husband has been a huge wrestling fan since he was like six years old. And so when we were dating, I needed to be the, the good girlfriend and pretend that I was interested in all of that stuff. So I have seen Mick Foley wrestle live at different events and he, he's a pretty, he's a pretty interesting guy. So it's interesting that he's, that... he's uh, and I, I, so, and, and given that the event was in Canada, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I live in Seattle, very common to go to Vancouver for a lot of people. Uh, he was doing a whole tour across the States, which I missed. But then he was also like coming back and doing it through Canada. And the show that I initially looked into was in Victoria, British Columbia, which is even more north than Vancouver. 
Well, that was sold out. So I was like, oh, where the hell am I going to go see them? Oh, this place, Nanaimo, looks good. I didn't know where or what Nanaimo, British Columbia was at the time. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll just go. Uh, stayed with a... Because I was, uh, at the time, I just moved away from Florida to here. Uh, and I was single, so I really didn't have anything to do. Uh, and I wasn't actively doing uh, any kind of work at the time. Because uh, I just I just published uh, with a colleague the first book uh, that I did, that the first fitness book. And we just finished our second one. So yeah, I had a lot of time. So I was like, you know what? I'll just try this Nanaimo place. Uh, and turns out it's on a big island called Vancouver Island. Uh, and they call it a small town, despite it having like a population of 100,000. Uh, but it is, it does have a very small town feel. Um, and it's very quick to get anywhere on the island. So I took the ferry over. And I assume this was the Canadian equivalent to a dive bar. <laughs> which means that... So given that you're from Virginia... Uh, and so you probably know, like, dive bars have a certain um, a certain presence about them. Like, mm-hmm. uh, to be fair, they're they're pretty filthy and shitty. Mm-hmm. So when everybody said this was, so when it, I was like, oh, this is like a dive bar based on the prices. Like, I went and it was clean, and the toilets were attached to the wall, and like I was like, man, this is not a dive bar like at all. But the prices reflect it. So I got like a meet and greet with him at this small place i think for like 75 dollars us so like 400 canadian dollars and uh yeah it was a blast and then i missed the ferry back to vancouver to stay with my friends so i wound up staying in a cheap motel in canada which was also very nice compared to the cheap motels here in the states like they had a tv flat screen uh and a thermostat so i was like you know watching svu in comfort having missed the ferry (laughs) So yeah, no, it was it was pretty great, and he was a super nice guy. That was the whole point of that. He was a super nice guy because we did the meet and greet, and uh, you know he signed a picture and everything, and uh, yeah, just just a wonderful human. That's really cool. So I mean, going um, on about your writing and kind of writing the your first fictional novel, just talk us through your your writing process. Are you somebody who um, plans a lot of it out first of all or do you just kind of write by the seat of your pants kind of thing uh well for that one i didn't really know what i was doing so i didn't really have much of a plan i kind of knew kind of knew where i wanted it to go by the end uh but since then because now i got a follow-up to that coming out on halloween of this year uh i stylistically it's a lot better because i actually knew what i was doing this time around can you guys still hear me i dropped the headphones yeah yeah okay yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so second novel i was like okay i i should probably now that i know what to do i should probably like plan some stuff uh so i did that and um i saw a video of sylvester stallone on tiktok talking about uh his writing process because uh, a lot of people do forget that he was a writer uh mm. and he you know he wrote the entire full rocky screenplay and uh wanted to sell it on the condition that he also played the main role but uh, you know he got passed on a lot for that very reason but it finally worked out in his favor and uh you know he was talking about how he would just write down story beats on a legal pad and then come up with a first draft and i was like wow that's actually really simple and effective 
uh, compared to most of the books and courses you take. So I'm going to try that. And I was like, oh, that kind of works. And then it also gives you enough room to explore something else if something neat pops into your head as you're going through the writing process. So that's kind of what I do now. So like I'll write down a bunch of sequences and go from there. Okay, so how long did it roughly take you to, to write your first fictional novel? For Rain City uh, Gothic. See, that one took... <clears throat> so I started in around autumn of 2019, and I, I took a break because I really didn't know what I was doing. And then when the pandemic happened and everything went on lockdown and the gyms closed and all that, and I was like, man, I'm just kind of sitting around. I should probably finish that. Nothing else that to book. I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, you know, I should probably finish that book. And then, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I eventually did that. And then I stupidly made the mistake of querying it. Uh, you know, just the whole first draft that I was sending out to these agents and publishers. And now I'm like, you know, what the hell was I thinking? Like I had, I had no business doing that at that time because it was just so bad. The first draft was just so terrible. Uh, and so then I was like, you know what? I'm going to, going to hire some editors and things to make this better. So it took a lot of um, rewriting and going over things to make it somewhat passable. And I went through that for gosh, several rounds. And Go that's ahead, what led oh. to it eventually get, getting published in 2022. Okay. So, so it was you, a several year process with yeah. a lot of pauses in between. Liz, did you have a follow up? I was just going to say, so it was a, a lockdown novel then by the sounds of things. So it quite a lot of it, which is it's nice because we've actually had quite a few guests um, on where the, some of the latest novels um, we're seeing kind of they were written during lockdown um, and we're still seeing a few kind of being published in the last 12 months kind of thing. Um, well, so sort of uh, the, the lockdown did help because it kind of forced my hand to finish because I mean deep down I wanted to finish like I always did but um, you know not really knowing what to do having never done an actual novel before Oh, damn it. I dropped my headphone again because the dog needs to go out. But having <laughs> never done a novel before and not knowing really what to do, if I didn't have if I was if I weren't forced to stay at home, uh, I don't know, it might have ended up a little different. Hmm. So so then you kind of said that this was um, Rain City Gothic was kind of inspired by a role playing game. So because um, my question would have been like, why, why vampires, why vampire slayers? But still, that's still the question because even based on a role playing game, something still drew you to that particular um, topic, that particular you know genre of role playing game that you were invested enough in to then turn these characters and try to develop these characters into, um, into a novel. So, so why, why vampires? Oh, that's actually a very simple ish question. I mean, I do like vampires. I always have. Uh, and you'll remember in the book, there's a character named Flora Zabar. Well, Flora Zabar was a real person, uh, not much different than how she's portrayed, uh, in the novel either. Uh, very kooky, wonderful, 
uh, old lady who taught literature in the occult at the University of South Florida. Wow. And so we did a lot of vampire talks in her class when I took it. And we also, uh, my friends and I played a game called Vampire the Masquerade. So it's a oh, tabletop yeah. role-playing game uh, centered entirely around vampires. And they draw from a lot of different sources of lore uh, over the centuries. And uh, since they were Vampire the Masquerade characters, I just kept with it. That's really interesting. Um, so obviously we've, we've spoken about your inspirations. We've spoken about kind of your writing process. Um, really easy question. What are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? Um, I picked up the first Jack Reacher novel at a bookstore randomly because uh, the guy I did write fitness books with always raved about them. Um, and since there's elements of that type of mystery thriller stuff in there, I was like, you know, it couldn't hurt to uh, read stuff similar to what I'm doing. So I, so I picked one of that, one of those up. I also picked up uh, the detective novel, The Black Dahlia, which was made into a movie in 2006. Oh, yeah. And uh, the guy who wrote that, he's pretty known for his crime novels. So I picked that up uh, as well. And I'm currently also digitally reading um, Stars Like Gasoline from Jessica <gasps> Glover. <laughs> Love that we book. So far, I, I am I am very much enjoying it, uh, especially being from Florida. It's nice to see people writing about it. And um, uh, I think I got to the part where they go to Felsmere, Florida. And uh, fun fact, that was one of the that was the first city in Florida where women could actually vote back in the day. Oh, wow. interesting fun fact. Well, that is super cool. We'll uh, we'll we'll make sure Jessica knows this. <laughs> do you do you interact with Jessica? Have you you know have you talked to her? I in think any... I've said a couple. I think I said a couple nice things on Instagram to her a couple times. Awesome. Yeah, she's 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 been a, a repeat guest on our show. Um, yeah, and that's what inspired me to reach out in the first place. Is I saw that and I listened yeah. to the episode and it was good. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, You'll you'll really like stars uh, stars like gasoline. That was uh, that's a really cool book. Very good book. Um, so that that's kind of cool that you know you're you're reading books kind of in the same genre in which you are you're writing. Um, so how? So you said you have your 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 next book coming out um, at the end of October. So same characters, right? As we saw in Rain City Gothic. Oh, largely. Uh, this will focus on a very young Daniel Belasco. So technically, it's a prequel. Oh, okay. So he's gonna meet. So he's gonna meet um, the mother uh, and get into some hijinks in Savannah, Georgia. I will say that that's really cool because one of the things I did really like about Rain City Gothic was her. Um, well, was Bethany's kind of over the course of the book learning more about her parents um mm. and a little bit more about their 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 history and how they came because um you know kind of to dig a little bit into the topic of the book um you know for bethany this is really a kind of a, a coming into like a coming of age coming into who she is book she um finds herself in a position where she has to figure life out on her own pretty quickly or she's not going to have much of a life left and 
Um, and as she's trying to figure out how to kind of solve the mysteries and deal with the bad guys, she's learning more about who she is and who her family is. And that was a really cool aspect. How, um, how important to you knowing now also that you that the the next book is going to be kind of a prequel based on her on her parents how important was bethany's like kind of self-discovery to you in regards to the overall plot of rain city gothic honestly it uh superseded the plot because i'm more interested in character growth than anything or character declines, depending on, you know, what you're reading or writing, because, uh, you know, negative character arcs can be good, and those do exist. Um, but no, I, I was focused on that more than anything. And then from there, it made me start seeing, because uh, I always did want to, ex- I did want to explore more of the parents' backstories, because I don't want to just have a dead wife there. Mm-hmm kind of looming in the background. I'd like her to actually do some things at some point, but also same for Daniel, since we don't get a whole lot of him in this one because it's more Bethany focused. Uh, I figured people might also want to learn more about him. Uh And to a degree, I was right because people did say, oh yeah, I want more of him. I was like, well, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to write some stuff about him too. Cause (laughs) when, you know, it's also fun writing stuff uh, that took place in the eighties. So like start having a starting point for him and knowing uh, what Bethany does in the book without, you know, like spoiling too much, I was like, you know, where could I highlight some of his shortcomings, I guess, as a as a father and how that led to her doing the stuff that she did, uh, you know, because obviously, uh, spoiler, I do want him to be generally a good dad and not, uh, you know, not like some of these irredeemable pieces of shit you read about who raise kids in novels or in movies and whatnot. And, um, and I also wanted him to have, you know, a really good relationship with, with, uh, Bethany's mom Uh instead of like, instead of, you know, like a lot of the, nothing wrong with conflicts and the tropes and all that, uh, during romances, but, uh, I wanted less I want him to have a rock solid relationship, uh, and be like a, positive example but you know it was a good way having a starting point now him as a young man i think in the the next book he's 22 so he's super young she's 27 and i was like yeah i could highlight you know his intentions going into this versus like where he actually could have been better as a parent all while grieving the death of his wife because obviously in the book we know that they were together was it eight years i believe it was um before all of this happened basically um yeah so i so this second book is it set very early on in the relationship or just before the relationship starts oh they meet in it okay and uh yeah so it's set in 1986 which would have been the start of it okay so we get a nice little kind of beginning like origin story for both of them kind of a little beginning romance story yeah and i figured if it's gonna be a series which i also intended i might as well (laughs) oh my god stop (laughs) sorry (laughs) oh we can't hear you you i think you accidentally muted yourself 
There you go. No, that was intentional. He's barking. Oh. <laughs> He's barking, so I'm just trying to get him back in. Dogs are welcome on our show. <laughs> I know, but the goddamn beagles are so loud and he just barks with everything. <laughs> like, he... He sounds like he's four times his size. Uh, he's got to make up for his size. I mean, that makes him a perfect guard dog because nobody knows it's going to be a tiny dog <laughs> on the other side of the door. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and actually, according according to my according to my wife, who had him since he was a very young dog, he has thwarted off intruders a few times. Oh, because wow. of how freaking loud he is. He's a successful guard dog then. Exactly. Oh yeah, he's precious. He's just so freaking loud. But uh, yeah, so you know, I I figured if I have the opportunity to write a series, there's a lot of neat family things I could uh, explore. I think that was the question we were we were doing. <laughs> so my follow up then to that is: Do you do you have a, a vision for the series? Like, do you have an idea of like I want this to be kind of like an eight book series, or is it just going to be one of those? Um, things that you're just gonna if you have that storyline and that character arc you want to take you're gonna write and then when it's over it's over uh sort of because i i do have i do have ideas and i don't honestly know how many books it'll take to get through them so i mean it it could be lengthy because i do want to have going concurrent with bethany's story a bunch of stuff set back in the day with, you know, her parents and whatever they had going on in their lives back in the day. I love mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. million dollar question, what are you currently working on at the moment? Uh, so, usually, whenever I finish something, I always just kind of sit around until it comes out. Um, you remember... Uh, you remember that line in the rhyme of the ancient mariner where he's like his idol is a painted ship upon a painted ocean when they're stuck in the doldrums uh i think it was after the guy killed the albatross yeah that's kind of how i feel like uh after a book because you put a lot into it and then now it's out and then you're just kind of sitting there waiting for things that happen and people to hopefully uh enjoy it so that's kind of what i'm doing now but i think the i've, I've started the third book uh, and I started brainstorming a novella with Bethany and one of the the side characters from the first one, the the Jason Douglas character. Mm. Okay, I like him. I like him too, and he is also uh, named after a real person who, uh, if he were to become a cop, he would probably be one of the best people I know to do it. That's pretty cool. Mm. So, so, um. So with that, then with the with the side character, so book three is gonna. By the sounds of it, book three is gonna be more of like a continuation of like the end of book one. Uh, Yeah, it's gonna pick up not far from it. Okay, uh, actually. So then we'll see like the the Jason and the Greg and the Caroline and the Megan and all of all of your characters that you've kind of put in there continue to progress. Oh yeah, and uh, you'll also be seeing. more of the vampire Ava. Oh yes. Oh, I don't. Liz, you may not have gotten to Ava yet. <clears throat> I only know Anton so far. Oh yes. Uh, well, there's, there's, she was she was briefly in the prologue. Ava. 
Oh, because because the oh, prologue dealt with yeah, Carl. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember that. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so she she makes an appearance in the prologue, yeah. and then she makes an appearance later on. Not a huge appearance, but she's she's gonna do some more things. Yeah, she definitely made an appearance in the sense of there's more to come from her because she's she, she's not dealt with. <laughs> no, and uh, I am really excited for the plans I do have with her because um, w- one of the things I like about vampires is uh, you know they give us to the chance to you know explore our own humanity and what those uh things mean so that's kind of kind of what i'm gonna do with her character uh as time goes on so i'm I'm pretty excited about that i love that um out of your side characters who do you like the most uh, that's a good question uh probably megan or ava they're, mm-hmm. they're pretty solid mm-hmm. i like that Okay. And also Florida's a bar, but everybody likes Florida's a bar. Well, yeah, because who doesn't like, uh, you know? An, she an, is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, she's a very because, interesting character. And because she's just not so far off from the woman I actually based her on, I, I think it's great. Like, uh, I remember one time we were in class and she was telling a story about how she was out somewhere and she met some guy. Uh, I think she was. I think she said she was in France talking to an English guy who was dressed a little bit anachronistically. And he flat and, and you know, he says, Madam, what do you do over, what, what, what do you do uh, where you're from in the colonies? He referred to them as the colonies. <sighs> and oh, then she nice. said that she was a professor and he had this look. My word, they allow women to teach over in the colonies. <laughs> Nice. But that is the story as she told it, and then uh, and then there was also the story about her and uh, the hook and eye latch uh, at this place she was staying. So she's like, by her accounts, she's seen some like crazy occultish type shit, and uh, it's just really fun. And for some reason, like you know, I'm a pretty skeptical guy, but I I I kind of believe her. Yeah, I'm like, man, this this <laughs> uh, this old mentor, this elder mentor lady, like. She knows some things. <laughs> That's so cool. So cool. I think often the best characters are kind of based on, on real life because that it just gives them that extra kind of depth about them. It feels like it gives them like a bit of more complexity to it. And also some yeah. authenticity. Mm, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I, I did not change much about her fictionalized version of herself aside from where she actually taught. So, um, if you were speaking to an aspiring writer, what would this is something we ask for for all of our authors on um, on the podcast? So, what one piece of advice would you give to to any aspiring author? Gosh, how am I going to be able to concisely say this? Um, it doesn't have to be concise. Have you ever listened to us talk? <laughs> <laughs> we're never no, okay, concise. Good because. Uh... Well, for one, I would say stay away from writing groups on Facebook for a while. Um, guys, just, people are questioning whether they can like be creative or not, and it's really sad to see because like they're stifling themselves because they're getting like seventy-five million opinions from people uh, who probably won't ever write or finish anything, um, and and that's not a knock on them. I mean, the shit's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do, like. I, I don't know. I think about giving up at least 
40 or 50 times a given week uh, and always have, uh, no, no matter what creative pursuit I was doing. But, uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it's hard, but um, but also maybe be a little more judicious with the advice you're, the advice you're giving to people because, you know, just because you aren't doing it doesn't mean somebody else won't. But, like, you know, they got to – a beginner writer or somebody who's never written a story before, they should um, honestly just pursue whatever idea they have. I mean, it might it might suck and it might be horrifically offensive, but you know, also do your due diligence when you're doing it, right? So uh, somebody said to me, what gives you the right to uh, write um, a sapphic main character? I'm like, well, for one, it's my character, but also because I can. And it's not like I'm saying that flippantly, but yes, I can. And like people have been doing this for, you know, people have been writing all kinds of characters for a long time. And it's usually the the pushback and the questioning is not, nobody ever said uh, to Re- Rebecca or um, Daphne du Maurier, oh, how are you going to write uh, Mr. DeWinter like that? You're a woman. <laughs> like nobody said that, but obviously, you know, do the best you can. I did what, uh, and I always tell people, it's like I did what any self-respecting autistic person would do when I read literally everything I could uh, about, you know, more sapphic history specifically. Um, I talked to my sapphic friends uh, and I got people to read it who would be able to say, oh, man, that's fucking stupid. You shouldn't do that. And, uh, you know, I had uh, what I think were decent checks and balances. I also hired um, women in the behind the scenes process, except for the cover. So like I had systems of people that I could trust who would tell me, uh, you know, Hey, this is good. Or, Hey, you might want to change that because this would not realistically happen like at all. So, you know, do your best, but don't shy away from writing something just because you might not be familiar with it. With that, that was a bit rather long winded, but hopefully that comes across like, you know, don't let other people stifle your creativity. And the second to that, based on the whole writing groups on the internet thing, just fucking write. Don't worry about what goddamn software you're using. It doesn't fucking matter. Just goddamn do it. <laughs> That's the best advice. That is, yeah. <laughs> so, see, like, I don't... look how concise you're being. <laughs> I don't give a shit if you write it on Scrivener or uh, the the first fitness book that I did. I wrote most of that on my cell phone because my laptop at the time was so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like I had to keep it plugged in so that way it would even stay on. Right. So I would do the writing. And since that one was, you know, one where I had to cite sources, I would just do it all on my phone. And then I would go <laughs> on the computer when I was ready to deal with that pain in the ass and I would then add all the, the citations and everything. And, you know, it sucked, but it worked. Like, and eventually we, we both, he and I got the book done. And uh, if I had been sitting there worrying about what software I was going to use to write it, I, I probably would have finished uh, all my parts to it, but it probably wouldn't have taken, it probably would have taken far longer to do uh, if I worried about the, the minutia. And that's, uh, and th- there's an expression, you know, majoring in the minors and, you know, worrying about what the hell you're going to write it on. That's like kind of one of those things. At the end of the day, we also have tape recorders, 
well, I guess we use our phones for that now, but, uh, you know, when we have pen and paper, so like there's always a way to get your ideas down. How many, how many, cause you, you, you know, we know that you were a fitness writer. How many fitness books did you write? Uh, technically two, a couple of ghostwritten things out there too. Okay. And then like what, what type of fitness topic was, were, did your, were your fitness books on? Oh, uh, the first one, the one that I wrote mostly on my phone was a specific guide on how to, uh, how to diet so that you can compete in bodybuilding. Mm, okay. And and then we divided that up amongst uh, the different divisions, so you know, like uh, women's physique competitors, men's physique competitors, and things like that. And the second one is kind of a, an offshoot of that, but for a more general audience. Cool. So I'm like, there could have been so many different areas that fitness could have gone with that. So awesome. And um. Just wanted to speak kind of briefly about your ghost writing. So, I believe it said in the bio that you did some ghost writing for newspapers. Is that correct? Uh, the wording is not the best. I did mostly the ghost writing uh, in, did a lot of it in the fitness space uh, and a couple right. other like uh, blog posts here and there for uh, some, I think one of them was Realty, which was interesting, but like I, I can't fathom why anybody would want to get into that line of work after having done that very brief foray into it. You know, more more power to them. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of topics did you ghostwrite about? Uh, there was the fitness and the, the realty and, um, gosh, those were the big ones. Mm. And it's also been a while since I've done it, so now I have to, like, think back because i try not to because you're not really supposed to like talk about some of those things with um with the thing so it's like let me just do this and get it over with especially if it was a topic uh i wasn't you know fully invested in i I think i also did something on appliance repair for somebody (laughs) that's kind of (laughs) random it's a bit of everything Mm -hmm. did you do anything uh, on on death metal bands uh I did write some on death metal bands, but I, I did mostly uh, some of that on, on my own. Um, but uh, once I moved, so I stopped being in a band in uh, 2009. So I kind of, I didn't really stop listening to metal, but I kind of stopped being a participant in, in mm-hmm. the, I guess the local scene down in Tampa. And, you know, I still went to shows every now and again. And then me and a, a friend, we started another group. It was uh, far different than, than metal. It was more jazzy type of stuff. And she and I were a duo and I played piano or guitar and she would mm-hmm. sing. That's really uh-huh. cool. Really cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, what, uh, just kind of wrap up this, this kind of portion and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll, begin to wrap things up. Um, but what, um, with rain city Gothic, um, pretty diverse cast of characters, love the kind of fantasy aspect with the vampires and vampire slayers, great coming of age book. Um, what, this is, I'm going to ask this question. Why, why should people read this book? Oh, gosh. <laughs> gosh, how the hell? 
。ああ。I feel like I should have like an answer for this at the ready. <laughs> but then, but then, but then I get. But then it's also on the spot. So then I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> And、uh, you don't want to、so、come、I、across can... too like cocky or anything. <laughs> Well, I usually don't worry about that、uh, because of who I am as a person.、Um, but no, I, I think,、um, yes, there are vampires, but also I think ultimately, thematically,、uh, love and death are things that people relate to,、uh, you know, on a deeply personal level.、Uh, you know, and like at the beginning, Bethany's got relationship problems. Like, who doesn't?、Uh, especially when they're, you know, like just turning 30 and whatnot.、Uh, and, Figuring out life and their parents' shadow, as it were. You know, I, th- I think there's a lot of relatability to it,、uh, even though there are fantastic elements like、uh, vampires and what have you. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a good coming of age book for Bethany、um, in, in the background. She's at that hero's journey age, too. Like,、yeah. right there at age 30. So. And she, and she does. Like, you know, she. You know, has her dad, and then, you know, catastrophe strikes, and she goes to that, that underworld. She has her little people to help her.、Um, she kind of begins to come out at the end. Like, absolutely, you could piece that, that part in there together.、Um, but it's, it is, like, you know, it's, it is a good, a good coming of age, at, like, book, you know, to kind of watch Bethany overcome tragedy and try to figure out who she is in this world that, She still doesn't fully understand because you learn, as she learns about her, her, her parents, you learn that there's things that her parents never told her.、Um, and there's, there's, there's things that she's now having to kind of figure out on her own. And she, she talks about it. She's like, I don't know how to do this on my own. And,、um, and then how to be reliant、um, on, on the people that are there and how to trust people. So,、um, Rain City Gothic is, is available on Amazon.、Um, so go, go check it out.、Uh, have you released the title of your book that's coming out in October? Oh, yeah. You could actually pre order it、uh, if you want.、Um, it's called Haunted Echoes and Southern Nights. And when you type that in, that's an ampersand, not the word and. Okay, perfect.、Um, so that's coming out at, in October.、Um, so, Peter, first off, Thank you for joining us and talking to us about just you as a person and a writer and Range City Gothic and your new book that's coming out. Go online,、um, Amazon, read Range City Gothic and pre order his new one. But before we go,、um, we do our,、um, we play a little either or game at the end of all of our shows. So we have 10 questions.、Boy. It's real quick,、um, no thinking. We fail at this every time、um, because.、Yeah. There, there's no Funny. explanation. Funny most of the time. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. It is.、Um, so we'll just give you an either option. You pick and we move on.、Um, make sense? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So we will go.、Um, our order will be we'll go Liz, Peter, and then me. Okay?、Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. And there's 10 ten, there's ten of them. All right. So, number one vampires or werewolves? Vampires. Vampires. Vampires.、Um, pancakes or breakfast burritos? Pancakes. The pancake is the wrapper of the burrito. 
proper different though, aren't they? Yes, well, who says you can't put breakfast stuff inside a pancake and fold it? Oh, we got you on that one. Yeah, but you, I suppose if you went for a crepe, then you could use it as a wrap. But if you had like a normal pancake, it would just break apart. Well, you might have to, might have to tweak it a little <laughs> bit. Uh, it depends on how big the pancake is, but um, it's the spirit of it that matters. And maybe it wouldn't be a pancake like burrito. It would be a pancake taco. <laughs> that is also an option, which uh, I believe Taco Bell did sell for a while. No, really? Pancake taco. Ooh. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. My memory might be failing, but, uh, but yeah, they, they do have some good breakfast options at Taco Bell. I'm a big uh, Taco Bell proponent because I've never had an adverse uh, GI reaction to Taco Bell, and I think the reason a lot of people do, I think the reason a lot of people do is because they're not accustomed to getting as much fiber in their diet at one time. That's the key, because like. Uh, and this is what I got with the years of writing about nutrition, right? Because, like, you know, if you take in a lot of fiber, especially if you don't normally take in a lot of fiber, but then you do it all at once, gives you that real bloated feeling, and then it will start pulling water uh, into your GI tract, so you get even more bloated, and then, yeah, you know, feel kind of shitty, like, literally, uh, in this case with the Taco <laughs> Bell. And and I think that's what happens. Um, so, you know, you got to be mindful when you order the Taco Bell. But yeah, I love Taco Bell. Never had an adverse reaction to it. I, I love your PSA on Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a big fan in this house of Taco Bell. Um, we, we truly believe in ta- and, um, Taco Tuesdays. And One can... of the most heartbreaking things in their entire existence was when they got rid of the Doritos Locos Cool Ranch Taco. So we got the nacho cheese, but I like yeah. the Cool Ranch better. Mm, interesting. I was very heartbroken that day. Okay, moving on. All right, number three. Sweet or savory popcorn? Sweet. Savory. I'd go sweet. Um, wow, back... really? Wait. No, wait, whoa. whoa. <laughs> talking about like this caramel popcorns in the, the tin with the, the the thing. You know what I'm talking about. That you mm-hmm. get every Christmas. I like the sweet one. I like the sweet ones. Dang. Uh, no, we I, well, I don't We get them in bags. Well, you can get them. Well, okay, so. Do <sighs> you mean the unpopped popcorn? No, the popcorn Liz, my United States thing. Yeah, so so in in the states, uh, around every holiday season, some families will have these big tins, uh, with a, a, a di- divided into thirds with cheddar popcorn plain popcorn and the caramel popcorn really okay and and almost always uh every time you look into these these tins um depending on wherever you go almost always the cheese is going to be the one that's like left standing and the other two are going to be the ones that no i like them all except for (laughs) i mean i'll eat the sweet one like it's fine it's just not my favorite oh oh yeah Oh, yeah, she's got a picture of it. Yeah, like... It's got a big tin as well. Mm-hmm. But almost always, like, everybody just scarfs down. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a huge tin. Uh, <laughs> it's almost as ubiquitous in the States as those um, Danish cookies that usually have bread in them instead of actual cookies. Have we have a lot of weird them? things over here in, in the United States. Wait, you uh, actually so, mean cotton? Uh, like, so, thread. 
Yeah, like actual thread, sewing supplies. So uh, there's these little <laughs> tins of Donsk cookies, which are Danish yeah. cookies. And uh, yeah, like every grandmother has them. And they, yeah, they, they always, uh, when they're empty, they always have thread in them and needles and stuff like that. Uh, the cookies are actually pretty decent. Uh, I like them. And um, I actually oh, I like them too. I like the shortbread ones. Oh, okay. So so you're saying the sewing, sewing stuff's at the bottom of the tin, not in the actual cookies. It is at the bottom of the tin, yeah? They just use the empty tins as uh, storage for sewing oh, supplies. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, okay. You probably you'll see it like in any like uh, it's like it's like a big like grandparent kind of thing like you'll see it in movies and TV shows but this is um hang on yeah, my grandparents had so many of those uh, <laughs> Danish cookie tins full of uh, needle and thread okay. so yeah oh, and then you just open yeah, them up yeah, and it's I like yeah it's just yeah they're notorious that, yeah um okay. <laughs> But no, when I say sweet, I mean, cause we don't really have, we have caramel, but we usually have just like sweet, say like kind of sugary popcorn. Um, so that's oh. more. That's and I would, I sweet. will always pick sweet <laughs> over savory. I just have a sweet tooth. Well, I also, I also prefer I savory oatmeal and I know I'm a, I, that is not a popular thing amongst people. Mm. I don't eat oatmeal. I don't like oatmeal. I try not to because I'm, uh, I'm more into grits than oatmeal, but uh, most people here don't know what grits are. It's very sad. Isn't that like a really Texan thing? It's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's southern a southern United thing. Like it's southern. thing more than, uh, and there's debate as to whether Texas is actually, quote unquote, the South mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of ways, they're very much not. They also have Ted Cruz there, who, I mean, that's reason enough to avoid the place or go because you want to flick him off <laughs> holy shit i hate that guy i fucking hate that guy and i get riled up talking about him i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know how political we can be on this show there well you know we at the start of the show we talked about rachel beanland's book this house is on fire getting getting like rejected from her luncheon speak in florida because her book deals with um slavery so oh god and then don't even get me started on florida like i left in 2018 and i was like man it's getting like politically it's getting pretty fucked here but but personally i needed to i needed to move because i had nothing going on back in tampa because i did lose well i I lost oh i i was in a relationship that ended i had also lost a friend to uh right-wing nonsense uh he went on uh earlier that year uh, so I was like, man, I really don't have anything going on here, and it's getting weird. And now it just got like ten times as fucking weird since I left in 2018. That's just crazy. Yeah, and I, you know, I give a lot of credit to my friends who stayed behind to, you know, fight the good fight. Like one of my best friends, uh, he's a school teacher, and you know, he's he's the type of guy, you know, we need people like him because he'll subvert the law and how ridiculous it is down there, and. Uh, any way you can. And I appreciate that about him. Mm, absolutely. You got to kind of appreciate that kind of. And like me, he was, and like me, this friend was also a student of uh, Leslie Rice, the, my favorite English teacher. Mm. And it comes full <laughs> circle. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's the kind of teacher she was to, to inspire that kind of behavior, which my friend and I appreciate. Um, all right. So next, um, <laughs> back 
to the amazing what can come from popcorn i know (laughs) (laughs) popcorn to politics we're just staying in the peas um back to the future or terminator uh back to the future oh my god we were make we made it for your book so yeah we took ideas from your books (laughs) i i appreciate that but you know what's funny is uh there is a lengthy dialogue about Back to the Future in the next book uh, between Rebecca and Daniel. That <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna send you guys a digital copy of it after after we get off here. Uh, that way you'll have it. That'd but, be um, awesome. Oh, thank you. Oh God, I gotta go with Terminator. <laughs> oh, okay. I gotta um, go with Terminator, even though like consistently, Back to the Future has is a in totality Back to the future is a better collection of movies uh the terminator saga should ideally have stopped at the second one and then it would probably be perfect but those first two terminators are fantastic i will agree with that i would agree with that and and james cameron and and that's why james (laughs) bentley stop and james cameron is a is a fantastic director and like when he stopped doing them, like he wasn't involved in Terminator Three and Beyond, you can kind of tell. Like even though they had like good casting and all that stuff, like the stories are just not quite as there as the first two. And yeah, so yeah, ultimately Terminator, especially because the first one is very much like a 1980s slasher movie with like a science a science fiction backdrop, which I love about it. Nice, yeah, Honey? Um, I'm going to go back back to the future. I, I agree. I do love the, the initial Terminator movies. Um, but Back to the Future, I feel, is just, to me, is more of a cult classic right there. Um, okay, next one. Would you rather be a vampire hunter or be a vampire? I think I'd rather be a, vam- a vampire. <laughs> really? I would, I would not. Why not? I mean, you get to live forever until you're killed. Uh, that's very difficult to do. You're, See, that's you're, why, not, you're immortal. <laughs> that's why I don't want to be a vampire because I'll live forever. I'm, I'm just <laughs> so you want to be a vampire hunter? If that's my only option, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Peter, there's only two hunter. options. It's not called either or. And that's right. <laughs> if, I did, uh, if I tried to do the things that Bethany did, uh, I'd probably die doing them. Yeah. I'd probably die too, but I would still pick a vampire hunter over a vampire. I think vampires are kind of cool. There's something about them. They're kind of classy. Okay, weirdo. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Okay. Um, Coffee or tea? I don't know why you said this one because it's neither. But if I have to choose, oh, they go to coffee shops throughout the throughout the book. They spend some time. But you don't like coffee or tea either. Yeah, but I have an answer. <laughs> I'll say tea. Coffee. Coffee. Without, without question, coffee. <laughs> and I would go tea because there are some teas I like. But I there don't is, like yeah. I like some fruity teas. Yeah. We're both weird. We don't like coffee or tea yeah. in the normal sense. So. Yeah, in the normal sense. Um, uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a British person, I'm, I'm very surprised to hear that because I hear <laughs> uh, the stereotype is y'all love tea. I thought the same thing. I'm like, I hope they don't find out they're going to kick her out of England. (laughs) Funny enough, I don't like queuing either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Would you rather live in Seattle or Florida? 
Seattle. Oh God, Seattle. That's why I moved. <laughs> I would pick Seattle as well. And I love well, you know, it. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I when, when it was time to move, I had never been up here, but I was a big fan of the show Twin Peaks. Oh, uh, okay. good show! And and uh, my cousin lives across Puget Sound in a small town called Bremerton, and uh, she and I get along pretty good. And she's got uh, amazing children and a, and a husband and stuff. And I was like, hey, I want to hang out with you, your husband, and the kids for a bit. Uh, and she didn't think I would show up because we, we have a lot of family members who say things with no follow through. I was like, well, all right, I'll be there on uh, April 30th. Plane lands at 1234. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like 98% sure I would stay. <laughs> and uh, turned out I was right. I, I did wind up staying. <laughs> That's awesome. It always makes me think of um, Grey's Anatomy. Mm, yeah, awesome. and that, that's a big one, uh, and it was uh, it was filmed here. But also, like the weather is just so much nicer than it is in Florida. We don't have that blistering humidity and heat up here like we did in Florida. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, three more left to go. Yeah. Okay. And the next two deal with um, characters from your book. So, um. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have to pick. You're going to have to pick one over the other. So the first pair you have to pick one over the other for is Caroline or Megan. Oh, I'm going to say Megan. Megan. I'm going to go Caroline. I'll I like one. Caroline, but, but definitely Megan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the next pair is pick between Jason and Greg. Jason. 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 I definitely like Jason. All right. Last question. And this is just more like a general question. Do you prefer to read in quiet or prefer, or do you prefer to read with background noise? In quiet. That is a very, I cannot answer that simply. It depends on the background noise. TV, I can't do. <laughs> Music, uh, like at a bar, I absolutely can do. Uh, but I, I like to read in the bathtub with the running water happening. Oh, well, I would consider that, yeah. I would say it's background, background noise, noise, but as long as yeah. it's not TV. For some reason, I can't do it with the TV. Yeah. I couldn't do it if there's, like, legit, like, I would probably pick reading quiet, but I could read to running water. I could re I could read to, like, the white noise in the background, mm. but I couldn't, I couldn't do with, um, with like TV or with two people talking beside me where I can hear yeah. their words. Um, so I would, I can do I, music, but only if it's instrumental, I can't yeah. do music with lyrics. Otherwise I listen to the lyrics too much. And I can't exactly. Like I pay attention to the words that I'm hearing yeah. versus the words I'm reading. So I would have <laughs> to pick the reading in quiet. All right. Well, that was a super fun, um, either or. So, um, so that kind of wraps up our show. So again, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on uh, social media? Uh, so my author name is Peter D. Baker, and that is pretty much where you can find me on TikTok and Instagram, except, uh, you know, don't put the spaces or any punctuation. It's just Peter D. Baker all one string of letters awesome and liz where can we find you yeah so on instagram i am lizzie's little book nook and website is just lizzie's little book nook.co.uk and holly how about you so i am az desert underscore bookworm uh, and then my website is www.azdesertbookworm.com 
Um, so thank you everyone for tuning in and listening us listening to us this month as we welcome um, Peter D. Baker to the show to talk about Rain City Gothic. We will be back in October for um, our next book club episode, and this is one that we've been kind of talking about for a while. We Liz and it's I time. have yeah we haven't read any Colleen Hoover <laughs> books ever in our life. I know, <laughs> I, right? I, th- I think we're the last two people in the world. I, the I world. really do believe we might be the last two people in the world. Even I, I have read a Hoover book. <laughs> Which one have you read? Yeah. I, uh, so my editor and I, uh, my developmental editor, she and I had this bright idea to write pseudonymous romances. And I said, you know what? I'll read a, I'll read a Colleen Hoover book. I read Reminders of Him. Oh, okay. okay. Well, we are going to be reading Verity. So, because uh, oh, it's a little bit big. more, th- yeah, more like a, th- a thriller one to go with the October kind of spooky um, theme. So, yeah, we'll be joined by our two ladies again as part of our book club uh, for next month's book club read. Yeah, it, it's, it's, <laughs> who knows how it's going to go. We haven't, because... we haven't read it yet. We so. haven't read it yet. So. <laughs> we'll see um and i have the ebook but i'm probably gonna do the audio oh i've got the physical one. Oh, okay so i bought it like about a year ago I, i've had <laughs> i've had verity as an ebook for like two years so oh well okay we digress again so um but regardless we are going to finally break into colleen okay. hoover's world and popping that coho cherry. The coho cherry is going to be popped. Um, and so um, just watch for updates on when that will be dropping on our uh, Instagram, which is Speaking Literally Podcast. And we will um, we'll be back in October. So until then, enjoy the books and happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.